0: Hi, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at the Tabernacle. Thank you for tuning in today to listen or watch uh, one of our messages online. I'm standing inside uh, T2, which is our new building project that we've been working on uh, for about the last six months. We're in the final phases right here. On a normal weekend, we have four services uh, and, and we just don't have space to put people here anymore. But we're excited because God's changing lives not just here in Buckley. God's also changing lives all across the United States and all across the world where people are tuning in to be a part of our church. We want to invite you to be a part of this. It's called the Big Give. And between now and the end of the calendar year, our hope, our prayer is to raise $175,000 to help us continue with this project. If you'd like to be a part of that, we invite you to go to our website at thetabchurch.com where you can participate online. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the message.
1: Rizzy, I'm Martin. Um, I go at MJ, and I never really know what to go by. By the end, (laughs) introduce myself to half people as MJ, half people as Martin.
2: I'm from Grand Rapids area, and you're from Indian River. And uh, we got married and lived in Mid Michigan for three years. And
1: into like the smallest hole in the wall above a loft apartment for like six months. I got involved but stepped away Um, and then in college kind of was redeveloping my understanding of it, really had a lot of questions, fell into that, needed to know there were answers out there for some things and that's when I met Cassie and she was in a little bit different place at that point.
2: Fast forward to, I was 20 and I met MJ at a fraternity party at Ferris, and I—I um, I guess I would fool myself into thinking I was walking with the Lord at that age. And um, uh, after dating for a while, I—I I don't know, maybe a week or two. I asked him, um, what he thought about God, and you know, if he had a relationship. And he told me that him and God have their own thing worked out. <laughs>
1: which I I think at that point I genuinely thought was the correct answer to the question. You know, we've seen God do amazing things in our lives from, um, you know, personal situations with our family that have just been hugely challenging to, um, you know, where we were at personally and what we sought. And uh, trying to grow together is that interesting dynamic that marriage is because we want to grow together at an even pace, but it's very rarely that, you know, we have hot and cold times where we're, we're on fire for God and we have to bring each other back and we've learned to be good. We and we refer to ourselves as Team Rizzy and uh, I think there's a good reason for that.
2: When we were first married, it was a lot of soaking in knowledge and getting to know the Lord and now we still love that and we still wanna do that, but he's like, okay, you, we can't do this you know, the whole time. You gotta just start, I gotta start using you. And since we've been in Traverse City, I feel like that's where he's been moving us, and shaping us, and growing us.
1: I think the thing that impacted me the most was listening to Cassie tell me, after she'd met a few people here, about how transparent people were, and how open and, and exactly who they were. Um, and that was, that was important to us at that point. We needed to know that we weren't going to be a part of something that was uh, Cassie likes to put it, um, we didn't want it to just be a cool church. It is a cool church. We walked through the doors and saw that. We didn't want it to just be a cool church. So when we saw some depth in, in the people especially. I thought that was cool. It's just been a really eye-opening experience to be able to adapt a little bit, to get out of our comfort zone, and to see what God's looking at in that long term because we don't know where we're headed. We don't know what he's doing. It seems like we've been we're still very new here, and one of the things we're excited to do is see where he's taking
0: us. Thankful uh, for Martin and for Cassie, for Team Rizzi. Uh They've been a part of our church just for a little while, but uh, both of them serve, and we're grateful for them. We're grateful for you. I'm grateful that uh, you're with us today. It's a very significant day. You picked a great day uh, to get out of bed and come to church. Uh, um, this, uh, today marks the last weekend that, uh, sorry, God willing and the Creek don't rise. Um, and those inspectors do what we told them to do. Um, sorry, what we paid them to do. Uh, sorry. I didn't say that either. Did I? Right? Yeah. Forget everything I just said. You get the point, but, uh, God willing, this will be the last weekend that we're holding the adult worship services in what we're calling now T1. Uh, so this is a significant moment this is a big deal. This is it. Yeah. Some of us, uh, you know, this, this church, uh, someone handed me a little newspaper article. Uh, this church is 83 years old, uh, started in 1934, and uh, uh, the original name of this church was the Ebenezer Mission. How's that for seeker sensitive, right? 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 But it's cool because a revival had started and in Ebenezer is when you, it's a symbol, it's a banner of, you know, something that God has done in your life and then the name was, or they started meeting at a place called The Mission and then in the 40s when they bought the original building, which uh, uh, some of us, the first two rows and y'all are sitting in, uh, uh, they bought it and and they pulled it here with horses, Uh, they changed the name to the Buckley Gospel Tabernacle and now in the 21st century, it's The Tabernacle, so We recognize that history. And I thought, you know, it was appropriate on a day like today uh, to recognize that for many of us, this space, you know, this old bag of bones here, uh, you know, there were some significant God moments here. Some significant things happened here. You know? I mean, not just for us, but for others, but for many of us in this room. For many of us, this was the place where we first heard the gospel, and gave our life to Jesus Christ, it happened here. Maybe it was long ago, maybe it was last week. For some of us, this was a place where we came back to God, where we rededicated or recommitted our life to God, where we decided, you know what, it's time to stop running. It happened in here. For some of us, it was a moment during worship or during prayer, or, or maybe you were meeting here on a midweek or at a, at a men's Bible study, a fight club or a women's Bible study or some other event. You know, I'm thinking, you know, we had the last concert of Kids in the Way happened on this stage. The place was bumping. I was hoping we would break it. Insurance. You get it. Yeah. Could have sped along the building process, right? But there were significant things that happened here. Some of you stood on this stage or maybe when that was the stage, you stood there and you promised your life to someone. You got married. That's a sacred moment. That's God moving, right? And you moved with God. You heard God speak. For some of us, this was a room where you said goodbye to someone that you love forever and ever at a memorial service or a funeral. So this is a sacred place. And so just before we get into what God's laid on my heart for today, I would just ask you to just scan through the memory banks. Can can you attach your mind to one of those moments? Maybe it was a time you confessed sin. or Man, you heard from God, and you knew that you knew that you knew that God was speaking, God was moving. If you can attach... A memory to this space in that way, just by a testimony to God and one another, put your hand in the air and say, yep, I can remember. Yep, happened here. All right. Me too. Me too. And we recognize that. And we're grateful that God moves. And as we talked about last week, we move when God moves, keep your eyes on God. Just like the children of Israel, they followed a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day when that... Pillar moved, the people moved. God moves, we move. We move when God moves. And we can say that, and we have been saying that, I've been saying that, but this morning we're going to meet, or or we're going to go to that place where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Because God moves, yeah, love it. God moves, God's still moving. And we go to a cool church, you know, and we're authentic people and we're moving with God. But sooner or later, the God and the we comes down to your seat in you you move. You move. I believe that God has been speaking to some of us for a while. And I'm trusting that God's going to speak to some of us this morning. You know what scripture calls that gentle whisper? God doesn't come yelling with a bullhorn. It's usually that still, small voice. God's been speaking for a while. And God's been saying, you move. It's time to make the move. It's time to take the next step. And so, yeah, you know, we're moving to a building. But this morning, I want to talk about the next move for you. The next spiritual move. The next step in the journey. You either wear out or you rust out. And some of us are busy rusting out. Not making a move. Well, I'm hoping this morning... You'll choose to wear out. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn to the book of Joshua. I felt it was appropriate to go to Joshua chapter 1. And I want to put this in context before I read you the nine verses that we're going to look at today. But these nine verses are God speaking to an individual. He's speaking to a man named Joshua. And he's speaking to him while he and all of God's people are camped on the banks of the Jordan River. Now, just a little context... Joshua had been on the Jordan River, on the banks of the Jordan River, with God's people before. He'd been there before. You see, Joshua was born a slave. He was born in Egypt. He was born when God's people were in exile, and they were under the rule of Pharaoh. We've been referring to that a lot. And God sent them a savior. He saw their plight. He sent them Moses on his behalf to go speak to the Pharaoh, let these people go. And of course, they didn't want to let them go. And, uh, uh, but then after a series of plagues and miracles, Pharaoh finally had to let them go. And almost a million people, led by Moses, march out of Egypt And the Red Sea parts. And they go into the wilderness, and they go to the mountain of God. And we get the Ten Commandments. We, we get God's law for loving one another. And God re-ups, recommits the promise to them that I'm taking you to a promised land. And after a few hiccups in the story, they make their way to the Jordan River, and they're looking across at the promised land. And when Joshua was a lot younger, he was one of 12 spies that had been sent into that land. Do you remember? And he went in there, and all the spies came back and gave almost the same report. They said, it's a great land, this place where God, listen, where God wants to take us, it's a great land. It's a blessed land. We want to go there. But 10 of the spies were afraid. 10 of the spies said, but it can't be done. The giants are too big. The cities are too fortified. It's too dangerous. They'll kill us. What do we know about that? We don't have enough knowledge. We don't have enough training. We'll never make it. And Joshua and one other guy named Caleb said, no, don't do this. Do you remember the Red Sea parted? But the people rebelled, and Joshua and Caleb and Moses' voices were drowned out, and God in his anger cursed them for not making the move. He said, fine, you can have it your way. You don't want to move? Don't move. But this entire generation will wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and you'll all die. And instead, I will give the promise to your children. And that's what happened. It was their choice. God's not mean. Same way, God will give you your choice. You don't have to move. You can stay right where you are. And we'll reserve that little chair for you every Sunday. And you can be a a 59-minute-a-week Christian. No problem. We can do that. And all that generation died out. Even Moses is now buried. And God brings the people back to the Jordan River, their children and their grandchildren. And the new leader is Joshua. So God comes to him as an individual. And in verse 1 of chapter 1, this is how God's word comes to Joshua. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. These are the words of God to Joshua, but these are also the words of God to us, and these are also the words of God to you, individually, so what's he say, I love the way God just spells it out like it is, Moses is dead, arise and go, you want to move, you got to go, you can't move and stay, you can't move and rust out, you can't move and be immobile, Moses is dead, get up and go, And the place that he's telling him to go, this wasn't a surprise to Joshua. Joshua knew this story, by the way. As a young boy, he heard about the promise to Abraham and to the sons of Abraham and to their people that there was a land that had been promised them. He's heard this story before. When Moses showed up wild-eyed with crazy hair with a big stick going, it's time to go, y'all. They're like, how do we know? Threw the stick on the ground, turned into a snake. Picked up the snake, turned into a stick. Okay, that's a sign of God. Let's go, right? Where are we going? To this land. He'd been there before. He was one of the spies. He knew the promise. He knew that over there was life and blessing, and that's where they're supposed to go. For 40 years, he's been hearing God talk about it. But now that generation is dead, and now it comes down to no longer God moving and we moving. It's you. And I'm sure he's a little bit frightened. i got to lead these people. I'm not Moses. I didn't see a burning bush, but I've kind of been there. He's been the assistant. He's witnessed it. He's probably a secretary for Moses, right? He's getting all this stuff down. He's been watching other people talk. He knows that this is what's next. But God still says, get up and go. God says some interesting things to him. He doesn't tell him, when you go into this land, first thing I want you to do, I want you to bear right. And I want you to walk 10 steps. All right? You're going to see a tree. On the other side of the tree, I want you to look towards the sun and then take 20 paces, right? And there you're going to find a little scroll in the sand. It'll show you where the is buried. It's not a scavenger hunt. He goes from here to here, here to here. Here's the boundaries. Here's the boundaries. Okay? From there to there, there to there. That's the place of blessing, promise, life and joy and peace. It's out there, right there. While you're going there, follow my law. Keep this as a guide to, okay? And then very generally, he says, wherever the sole of your feet touches, that's yours. That's yours. Go and start walking. Go do something. Go do this thing that you've known about for a long time. That's what he says. And then he says... Three different times he says, be strong and be courageous. It's not gonna be easy. There's gonna be a fight. And if you know the rest of Joshua, there was battles ahead. There's a big one right across the river called Jericho, most powerful city standing in their way. But that's the plan. That's what God's word was to Joshua. He spoke these words to him. And he says to him, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now, right here is where we start to check out. Well, that's a nice Bible story. I'm sure glad that God was old with Joshua, but he's not with me over here in Thompsonville. Be careful. God sent his son Jesus so we could have a personal relationship with God. Every single one of us was born a sinner. Christ died on a cross, so if I believe and have faith and trust, receive Christ as my Lord and Savior, that means the Spirit of God lives in me. So watch this. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. If you're a Christian, the same God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Spirit of Christ lives in us. So we can sit here and say, as I was with Moses, Joshua, so I will be with you. And I say to you this morning, as God was with Joshua, he is with you. Not just because you go to this church, but because you believe, because you have faith. And if we as individuals believe that God lives in us and he's with us, Oh, he's with me on Sunday when I come to church. No, this is a nice sacred space. He's with you wherever the soles of your little feet tread. Some of us don't believe that, though. Not yet, at least. You move. What does this mean for us? Here's the first thing that I think it's pretty clear. God says it to Joshua. God says it to us. Because I think we're all standing on the threshold of some kind of a Jordan. It's some kind of a next move. God's saying, go and do what you know. Go do what you know. Go do something. Church, I'm going to say this today because I love you. Go and do something. Now, I know some of us, we do a lot but some of us, we gather for worship and we get fueled up, we get teaching. We're fueled up by the worship and the prayer and the people and the coffee, right? And we come and we get fueled up and then, you, and, then, and then we come the next week and we get fueled up and we come the next week and we get fueled up and we come the next week and we get fueled up, we come the next week and we get fueled up. We loosen our belt a little bit and we come the next week and we get fueled up. Sooner or later, we need to do and work off some of them calories, people. Are you with me? I'm going to talk about everybody, but some of us are becoming spiritually obese because we hide behind our fear. We say, well, I don't know what to do. So right now, I'm in a learning phase. Now listen, some of us, we come and we learn and we're getting trained and that's good. But after a while, you got to work off some of them calories. Just go do what you know. Well, what do we know? Well, if you've been around here for any more than a minute, (laughs) you know, we like to highlight that general commandment that God gave to all of us. It's, you know, what do we know? We know him from his word. And what did he say? What's the greatest commandment? To love, to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what do I do? Go do that. Do you know that? Well, now you do. Go do that. Go do that. That's not new. That summarizes everything else. When all else fails, love God and love people. Go do that. If you know that, then go do that. In John chapter 13, Jesus took off his outer garment and got on his knees before his disciples and washed their feet. And then he stood up and he said, as I have done for you, you now do for one another. The son of man did not come To be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And now that you know this, you're blessed if you do this. Well, what does that mean? What am I supposed to do? Serve. Well, let me pray about it. That's what we do. Christians, we're so predictable, right? There's so many of us that have been praying about what we should do for the Lord for a long time. We've been praying, you know, I think it's the voice I'm not sure You know that voice that told me to repent of that sin? I just want to make sure it's really God, because I really kind of like that sin, and I kind of need that sin. If he called it sin, I think that's pretty much, we can confirm that's him talking. (laughs) Go do what you know. You know, I've heard it said, and I've said it before. Most Christians, we know what the next move is. We just don't want to do it. We're afraid to do it. You say, well, I have little faith. I have little knowledge. You know, start by doing what you know. He'll let you know what the next thing is after you do the most basic thing. And what are the most basic things besides loving God and loving people and serving one another? You know what else we're supposed to do? We're supposed to feed the hungry. You know what else we're supposed to do? Care about the orphan and the widow. You know what else we're supposed to do? We're supposed to look after the fatherless and the immigrant and the foreigner and the misfits and the invisible people and the people that society says doesn't matter. We're supposed to look after them. That's what Jesus did. Go do that are you sure? Maybe I should pray about it. Oh, shenanigans. <laughs> now, I'm going to call some people out, and I, I, not by individual, but just here's the deal. This is typically what a Christian does. Well, I really need to pray and ask God if he wants me to, you know, get more involved in my church. Pray and ask God if you should get more involved in your church. Please. This is the same God that said, do not stop meeting together as some in the habit of doing. This is the same God who got up off his knees and says, as I have served you, serve one another. Go do what you know. And for some of us, the Jordan where we're standing on, it's to take the next step in relationship with God. It's to join a community of believers. For some of us, it's to start giving away what you have. Start investing your time and your talent and your personality and your abilities and what have you. For some of you, it's time to actually invite your friend who's far from God that you're worried about and you pray about, but you're like, you know what? God hasn't told me specifically yet to tell him about the Lord. This is the same God whose last command was go and make disciples of all nations. Teach them everything that I have taught you. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's Matthew 28. It's a verse. Look it up. Go and do what you know. Well, I didn't know that. Well, now you do. Go make disciples. That's why we say our churches: love God, love people, make disciples. Are you doing that? Go do what you know. For some of you, the next step is, you know what? I can't do life on my own. My sin's out of control. My personality's out of control. My marriage is out of control. My addiction is out of control. But you're waiting for God to clearly have a bright shining light that says, yes, you drink too much, go to AA. Well, I'm going to make sure if he makes it clear because I might need another one, you know. Go do what you know, man. So this morning, you woke up. Did you turn over and go, you know what, honey? Before we get out of bed, I think we need to pray and decide if the Lord wants us to get out of bed. Walked into the kitchen. Do you want coffee? I don't know. We should seek God on this. Let's put out a fleece. The Lord will tell us, should we have coffee? No, you just had coffee. Coffee. Because that's what you know. You wake up, you get dressed, hopefully, you take a shower before that. Not after that, that would be weird. You make coffee and you go. Go do what you know. We gather for worship, church. We scatter to do ministry. We don't just gather, 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 gather. Faith without works is dead book of james there's a verse go do what you know you see i think some of us if we don't hide behind god's call he hasn't called me specific we start hiding behind well i don't want to make a mistake don't we well i'm not exactly sure and i'm trying to hurt anybody's feelings but can i just tell you i want to encourage you with this don't be afraid to make a mistake if you're going in the name of god and you're taking the next step don't be afraid to make a mistake God didn't send his son Jesus to die on a cross for all of our mistakes to then say, you know what, you, 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 you were trying too hard to love God and love people and you were out of line. Yeah, you're going to make a mistake. He'll fix it. Somebody will fix it. You're going to be serving and you're going to make the wrong kind of coffee. Oh, forget it. I can't serve. No, it's, it's just two scoops, man. Sometimes the preacher's boring, okay? So not one and a half scoops, two scoops. Okay. Okay. Right. We'll give you a group hug. Whatever. <laughs> Don't be afraid to make a mistake. You know, Tim and I were talking. I mean, I, I I came here about fourteen years ago to be a youth pastor, and then three years after that became the lead pastor. And by God's grace, God sent me Tim. And Tim and I, you know, were there from the beginning. And can I just tell you? And I want to list them all. But we have made so many mistakes. But he was born and raised in a Christian home. I was born and raised in a Christian home. He was born the son of a Presbyterian pastor. I'm the son of a a Wesleyan pastor and missionary. I mean, we had more seminary between us than most seminarians, right? We were children of the ghetto. And you know what? God said, here's a church, boys, you run it. And it was frightening. But we just did what we know. Okay, we know we're supposed to love God and love people and let's try to make the church we always wanted to go to. And guess what? We made so many mistakes. We're still making mistakes, and we try to be honest about our mistakes. I ain't a perfect guy, ask my wife and children, all right? And, and you're not perfect either. I know your wife and your children, <laughs> and they tell me about you, right? Don't be afraid to make a mistake. I mean, I'll confess a doozy to you right now. I, I, we take preaching very seriously. We preach God's word. This is a holy thing. This is a calling, Right? And so I don't just get up here flippant. And this isn't a moment I'm necessarily proud of. But man, sometimes I get a little worked up, as you know, like I do, right? And I was really fired up about the holiness of God. And I remember on this stage, I did something terrible. It was a horrible mistake. It was a slip of the tongue. In a sermon, I swore. Some of you were there and Remember? I'm just being honest. It was a mistake. I was loving God. I was loving people. And I was worked up because God is a holy God and he's a perfect God. He hates sin. And and, and it was the third service and I was a little worked up. And I was like, the problem is, friends, God hates sin and we don't give a damn. Right? That came out of my mouth. You know what you have to do when that happens and you're a pastor? You act like you meant it. I was scared to death, but I just glared at everybody like this. But the back of my mind I was like, "Oh dear, I hope the resu- I can find the resume cuz we're we're fired. We're gone. It's over." You don't get to come into this church with its holiness background, with the pillars of the church that, you know, that's not the kind of language to be throwing around when you're preaching. And it's like, "Oh, what in the world, you know?" And I'm, you know, finished the sermon barely, and I'm a little bit shaky, and then here he comes, right? He's a pillar of the church. He's a holiness man. He's a holy man. He still goes to our church. He sat on the front row in the last ser- service, right? You know him as Grant Sheets. And here he came as John Wayne, and I was like, oh, dear, take your rebuke like a man. Here we go. And I was scared to death, right? And Grant put his hand on my shoulder, and he looked me in the eye with a quivering lip, and he goes, that needed to be said. I'm not saying it was okay. It wasn't. It's not cool. But God used it. You're going to make a mistake. When you go do what you know, you're going to make a mistake. God's going to use it. I don't know what to say to my friend. He's hurting. I don't know what to say to my loved one. uh, He's hurting. You know, I, I just know a little bit about God. What if I get it wrong? Just say what you know. Say what you know. Spirit of God is in you. Everywhere you put your feet, he goes with you. Do you believe that? I mean, do you believe that God owns the universe? Do you believe that or no? Do you believe God's the most powerful force in the universe? He's sovereign God, yeah? So he lives in you. So that means everywhere you go, do what you know. You're going to make mistakes. To do that, though, to do that you're going to have to go in faith and not fear you have to go in faith and not fear there's two different things that god says to joshua and he repeats both of them three times heads up in scripture in a passage when god says something repetitively pay attention pay attention three times he says be strong and courageous don't be afraid He goes, be strong and courageous. Then he says, be strong and be very courageous. Then he says one more time, just be strong and courageous. And when I hear that, I think, well, yeah, I'm an athlete, or at least I was. still work out. I want to be strong, be a man, act like a man, be tough, persevere. Here's the problem. I just admitted I make mistakes, and I'm going to make more. So are you. And sometimes I'm not strong. Sometimes I'm weak. Lots of times I'm weak. I'm just a dude. How am I going to be strong? And this whole thing with making a move, most of us don't want to make a move because we're afraid. We're afraid of what people will think. We're afraid of the future. We're afraid of the consequences. We're afraid of making a decision. We'll make it about coffee, but not about marriage. We'll make it about waking up, but not about repenting of sin. And he's saying, be strong and courageous. Well, can I tell you what the definition, my definition of courage is? It's not not being afraid. If you're not afraid to cross this Jordan for you to move, you're stupid. It's dangerous. There will be battles. You will fall down. Scripture says anyone who wants to live a holy life in Christ, you will be persecuted. That's what's coming. This is not a prosperity gospel church. We tell you the truth. So you should be afraid. But courage is when you're afraid, but you go anyways. Courage is when you're afraid and you have a right to be afraid, but you step out in faith. So three times he says, be strong and courageous, be strong and be very courageous, be strong and courageous. Why? Because of the other thing he repeats three times. I was was with Moses, so I will be with you. He says it again, I will be with you wherever you go. He says it a third time, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Do you see where our strength and our courage come from? When I say go by faith and not fear, it's not because you're a tough guy or because I'm a tough guy or you're a tough girl, whatever that is. We go because he goes with us. It's not my strength, it's his strength. I don't have any faith in me. I've got faith in him. When I sense God's call to be a preacher, it's like, I can't do this. I'm a stuttering guy that can't do this. And I don't want to do it. I'm afraid of the, just, I won't go into it. But we go by faith, not fear. And and yeah, I, I still have fears. But I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of them. You know, I've said it before, I don't want to, Freak you out. I love this job and I love this church, but I don't need this job and I'm not afraid to lose it. Because he holds my future. I'm not hanging on to this job and my image and, oh, I just gotta, you know what I have to do? I have to stay in Buckley where it's freezing cold till I die. Oh, yeah, that's my dream. (laughs) But I'm not afraid to step out in faith. I refuse to be ruled by fear. Some of us are ruled by fear. What's the number one command repeated over and over in Scripture? Fear not. Fear not. Right here in nine verses, it says it three times. Be strong and courageous. I'm with you. Be strong and very courageous. I'm with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Whatever Jordan, God's calling you to step across. He's going there with you. For some of you, your marriage is hanging on by her fingernails because you won't go to counseling. You won't go to the retreat. You won't repent of sin. She's dragging you to church. She's leading your family because you won't come and learn what it means to be a man. You want to stay a boy. For some of us, you're going to stay in your addiction. Because you think you can beat it on your own. For some of us, we want to hide our sin and think that we're the only one. And God's saying, just go do what you know. You know what you're supposed to do. And go by faith, not fear. I know there's students here that are called to step across the Jordan to take the next step, and make a move. They're single people called to take the next step, and make a move. Go in faith, not in yourself. You're going to mess up. You know, one of the values of our church, uh, um, you know, it's listed in this little booklet, this little change life booklet about the DNA of our church is that we're all cracked pots. You're a cracked pot. I'm a cracked pot. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, what do we mean by a cracked pot? Starting in verse 6, Paul's writing to this church and he says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So very simply, he's saying the same God that said, let there be light, that same power was in Jesus. And if I receive Jesus and I'm a Christian, even with just a little bit of faith, that light lives in me and lives in you. And then he goes on. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. That's where we get this idea that, hey, we're crackpots. Because the treasure of the one who stood and said, I am the light of the world, and who later said, Now you are the light of the world. Not because you're all bright and shiny, but because he lives in you. He doesn't put his light, the light of his love, the light of the gospel, the light of his transformation, he doesn't put that in shiny boxes. He doesn't put that in gold jars. He doesn't put that with jars that are gold on the outside and silver on the inside and have jewels that are just bedazzled. No. He puts his treasure in earthen vessels, clay jars. You know, like those little nasty, you know, your kids make, look, I made you an ashtray. I don't smoke. Well, you know, falls apart, clay thing, art class. They don't do that anymore. They're afraid clay will give them cancer. I don't know, but God puts the treasure in jars of clay in pots that are made out of clay. You know what those things do? They crack, they chip, they break. That's me. That's you. You follow anyone around long enough, you'll see their cracks. Your cracks are showing. (laughs) Because we're human. But you know what the beauty is? God's light shines brightly through those places, doesn't it? So then I'm not looking at you, I'm looking at him. That's why he does it. So he gets the glory. That's why we say, don't look at me. Look at the Jesus in me. Don't even look at our church. Look at the Jesus in our church. That's why we point to Jesus. That's why we're quick to say, look, all of us make mistakes. Just go and do what you know. Start there. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. And go in faith, not fear. He died to fix the broken places. He hung on a cross to fix the messes that we're going to make. We're going to make. So, you, Joshua, move. Go do something. Go do what you know. You, tabernacle, go do what you know. You move and go in faith, not fear. We will not be ruled by fear. So what's God telling you to do? I, I, I don't know. I know there's a lot of different people here today. I'm so glad you're here. And I hope that God's spoken to you about what the next move is supposed to be. And I want to encourage you to do it. I don't care if you're a student, married, single, divorced, visitor, member. It's for you. It's for us. It's for me. There's some moves God wants me to make. It's time. I already know him. I've known him for a while. Is that really you, Lord? Yes. Just go. It's time. So maybe this Sunday as we pray, and we're going to pray, and we're going to thank God for this sacred space one more time. And by the way, it's going to continue to be a sacred space. We're going to set up. We're going to build some classrooms and make this the most tricked-out place for our kids to learn about Jesus. It's going to continue to be a sacred space. I don't want any of those little kids getting married in here, but, you know... (laughs) Some of them are going to give their life to Jesus here. They're going to rededicate their life to Jesus here. Isn't that cool? I mean, they're going to come in when, we're, when we move over there next week. I mean, they're going to get this big screen. I know you were hoping we'd give it to you so you could watch the Super Bowl on it, but th- that's theirs. Isn't that cool? They're going to have a bumping sound system, and it's going to be crazy or bunkers in here, all right? But we're going to pray and thank God for this space. But I'm wondering if maybe as I'm praying, maybe you would make one more move commitment to God before we say goodbye to T1. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for this building. Thank you for the men and women in 1934 who planted a church. Thank you for those in the 40s that bought a building. For those in the 70s that renovated it. For the men and women all throughout. They've been born, they've lived, they've died. During those times, they've worshiped. They've let your light shine through them as crack pots. God, I thank you that we can follow in that tradition. I thank you for the commitments and the movements of you that have happened in this place. We give you glory for that. We thank you for that. But God, we know that we're a mobile church, that you're on the move, we're on the move, and as individuals, we're called to move and go wherever you lead us. We don't get attached to this place. This world is not our home, and neither is this building. Neither is the building across the street. God, I pray more importantly even than that right now as there's men and women students this morning that you've been telling for a while it's time for you to move. God, I pray that you would give them just that little bit of faith and that little bit of courage so that they can go and do the simple things that you've told us to do. Trusting that you'll never leave us. Would you help us do that? Would you help me do that? God, you're the best and we thank you for everything you've done and everything that you're going to do. I'm excited about it. So we give thanks and ask for your continued blessing. In the name of your son, Jesus, our great God and King. Church, if you agree, say.